Well, friends, we find ourselves in a two-part message series that we started last week, and today we're going to wrap it up, and uh, we are taking a look at the Lord of the Harvest. After all, friends, uh, this week, now listen, I love the virgin birth, okay, and I love to celebrate that, and I love to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mean, nothing beats Christmas and Easter, right? But I'm here to tell you, I love Thanksgiving, and we're about to enter into this week of all weeks where we are so thankful for all that we have. And so we're thankful for, in my life, the four Fs. I'm thankful for faith and family, food, and football. Can I get an amen from somebody? I mean, come on. We're going to celebrate with turkey and stuffing and, and, and pumpkin pie, and the specialty in our house is this sauerkraut and cabbage mixture with Hillshire Farm sausage and bacon inside that my mom makes. Oh, it just feels like Thanksgiving. I know in our family, we're going to experience, hopefully, the first semi-normal Thanksgiving in the last three years. I'm going to get a chance to see some of my side of the family that I haven't seen in more than three years, and maybe some of you can relate to that, friends. It's time for us to get back to celebrating family and friends in a way where we can gather in a room together, have some good food, and share life together. I'm looking forward to this Thanksgiving uh, that I've been looking forward to for a long time, and I know that you feel the same. Friends, if you find yourself on your own this week, though, there are plenty of opportunities to connect with other people And if you need to, let me know, and I'll find you a home where you can go and celebrate Thanksgiving dinner, because I'm looking at a whole lot of people that would welcome in somebody that might be on their own on Thanksgiving Day. Amen? Amen. And so we're going to celebrate the harvest of God's blessings. We're going to give thanks to the Lord of the harvest, the God of increase, who enlarges the harvest of our life, enlarges the harvest of heart and soul and eternal life, and enlarges the harvest, the Bible says, of righteousness because he wants to fill us with a garden filled with fruits of the Spirit, a garden that's full of lush fruits of the Spirit, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, and so many other things. And so last week, we introduced 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and I want to go back to that. The Bible here says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. You see, God starts off this word by saying, remember this. And so when God does that, he's about to drop a promise that he wants you to hold on to, that he's spoken before, that he wants us to hear again. And here are a couple of the teachings that we can get from that, from the promises he's calling us to. Number one, it's a biblical principle. You will reap what you sow. You will reap what you sow. When you sow in the flesh and into the desires of the human condition, the Bible says you will reap disappointment and destruction. But the Bible also goes on to offer the promise that when you sow in the Holy Spirit of God, you will reap a harvest of eternal life that wells up inside of you into overflow an overflow of the very spiritual fruit God wants to bless you with in your life meant to go out into the rest of the world. So we operating on a simple formula, again, that we introduced last week. Being made right plus right living equals an abundant harvest of righteousness. Now, what does that mean? Well, being made right, we are made right only through the blood of Jesus Christ. We are justified by faith as we confess that Jesus is Lord, that we believe he is risen, that we believe he makes us right in the eyes of God. When we do that, we become, the Bible says, the very righteousness of Christ. 
We are made right because of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And that's why Advent is so important, because we're celebrating a baby who came to grow up into an adult that was born to die for you and for me. That's starting next week. That's starting next week, friends. Now watch this. The harvest comes when you add right living according to God's command to your justification by faith. And so you're going to be made right by God, and you're going to add right living, and you're going to therefore experience an abundant harvest of righteousness according to God's promises. So here is the statement for the day. Therefore, how we sow our seed matters. How we sow the seed that God has given us matters And we're going to learn to sow the seed of our life deep into the right place. And that is deep into the soil of God's Word. If you're going to sow a field, if you're going to sow a garden, it takes a lot of hard work. Friends, the harvest of God's righteousness takes a lot of work. Just like the harvest of corn or harvest of grain or soybean or harvest of carrots in your garden or asparagus or peppers or cucumbers or whatever it is. The harvest of God's righteousness takes a a lot of hard work and God wants to tell us that we got to work the fields of our life, the soil of his goodness in his word. And that is where this parable in Matthew chapter 13 that Jesus speaks comes from. He says this in a parable, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no roots. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. Other seed fell on good soil, and because of that, it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whatever, whoever has ears to hear, the Bible says, let them here, friends. And that's what we want in our life. We want to sow in the good soil of God's Word. It's a parable about planting our life in the very Word of God, deeply rooted in the good soil of God's teaching. It's talking about the idea that as a good farmer or as a good sower of seed, we got to work the soil, understanding and hiding the Word of God in our hearts as an internal investigation of sorts, where we allow the Word of God to to seek in our spirit indictments against our our human flesh, indictments against sin, and to say, I've got a better way for you. I'm going to start with grace. I'm going to forgive your sin, and I want you to approach the cross. I'm going to show you love, and then I want to transform your life into a better way to live. Oh, friends, we got to get deeply rooted in the good soil of God and not only allow an internal investigation, but then allow the Holy Spirit to give us some internal navigation and show us the right way to go, to show us an understanding of what life ought to look like and work that soil. So it's not shallow surface knowledge where the devil can come and snatch it away with the temptations and desires of this world so that when troubles and rocky times come, well, we're not going to fall away or be shaken or have our faith rocked. No, because we're lo- we're, we, we are locked in in the deepness of the soil of God's Word so that the worries and concerns of this life and this world, finances and uncertain futures and illnesses and disease and sickness doesn't choke the Word of God out of our life like a weed would in a garden. Oh, friends, we're going to sow into the Word of God. We're going to receive it. We're going to hear it. We're going to understand it. And oh, by golly, we're actually going to do it. 
And that's what the Bible calls for us to do in our life, to do what it says. If you want a harvest of righteousness in your life, if you want an enlargement, if you want the increase of God, if you want to be enriched in every way with the harvest of righteousness, God would say, then do what I say. Then do what I say. We're going to do what it says. And when you follow along with the commands of God with obedience, you are promised to receive a crop, a a, a multiplied harvest of righteous living. And the Bible says, hear this. Hear this, James reinforces it in chapter 1. In the book of James, in the Bible, it says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his or her face in the mirror and after looking at themselves goes away and immediately forgets what they look like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Friends, obedience to God's word leads to blessing. And the longer you're in God's word, the more you're reminded of who you are. So even when you walk away from the physical word of God in front of you, the living word made flesh continues to live in your heart and continues to remind you of who you are, to guide you in right living, and to make choices that honor God. You see, the God, the God's harvest, the blessing, comes when we do what God says to do. And his word reminds us of who we are in Jesus Christ. He reminds us that the spirit of the living God lives inside of us. Being deep into the soil of God's word reminds us that we're a child of the living God. We're the righteousness of Christ. We're a royal people. We're a holy nation. The Bible reminds us we're a city on a hill. When we get into God's word deeply, we're reminded that we are a people of the way, a people of the truth and the life who trust in our God and trust in his presence and trust in his word in all of our ways. And in faith, we are believing that he is going to make our paths straight. So we're going to do what God tells us to do. Because we know, according to his promises, that it leads to a harvest of righteousness and the increase. You see, friends, when we get crooked and off God's path, he works to correct us. He gives us guardrails to bump up against so that we can get back to where he's teaching us and guiding us. And it's called discipline to stay on the right path. Well, Pastor John, what does that look like in a practical way? You ever been bowling? Now, some of you in here, you love to go bowling, but you ain't a good bowler. Sorry, Mom. My mom was an English teacher in high school, and she just, I might might hear that afterwards. There ain't no ain't in the English language. Okay. So what happens if you're not a good bowler and your ball goes into the gutter? Have you guys ever discovered this at the bowling alley? They'll get something out to put in that gutter to take care of your problems. What do they put in the gutter? Bumpers. Guardrails, right? So that went, now some of you got the two-handed method going down. You, you walk up there with the ball like this and you go, right? Please, 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 please. All the way to, now some of you, you got the one-handed, one-foot method down. Right? And you got that going on. But all of us could probably use bumper in, bumpers in those gutters to keep us out of the gutter. And so when your ball hits up against that bumper, guess what it does? It gets it down the path, and then it goes across and hits the other bumper, and then the other. And finally, it hits the target. Friends, if you want to get out of the gutter of life, you need Jesus Christ in your life and the Holy Spirit to keep you on the straight and narrow. And that's what God wants to do in our life. He's going to offer discipline to bring that into our life. And I love what the Bible says about discipline, that discipline brings forth the abundant harvest. When we bump up against those bumpers and we experience the poking and the prodding of God in Jesus Christ, we get crooked and off the path, and he tries to correct us. Hebrews chapter 12. Endure hardship is discipline. God is treating you as his children. 
We have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of, the, of spirits and live? Now, that word submit would also include uh, obedience and obeying and following God's word. So we're going to submit, and we're going to obey, and we're going to follow the Father of spirits and live. Who's the Father of spirits? Who's the Bible talking about? It's a capitalized Father here, so we know he's talking about who? God, the Lord our God. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, the earthly father, they disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God, the Father of spirits, disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. Obedience to God's word, running up against the bumpers of life and getting pushed back onto the straight and narrow allows us to grow in the goodness of God and to share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. However, later on, it produces a harvest of righteousness. That's what we're talking about today, friends. What does discipline produce? It produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Now, some of you have experienced a garden. Some of you are farmers for a living, and you understand agriculture and how that works, and you've planted entire fields. And in vegetable gardens and fields, it takes discipline. You gotta, you gotta work at it. You gotta work the soil and prep it. You gotta pluck the rocks out and sow the seed and water the seed and, and weed out the seed. And then some of you gotta whisper to it, right? Some, some of you are whisperers. You whisper to your plants as you're watering them or you talk to them or you sing songs and, and you become a plant whisperer or a crop whisperer. You gotta fertilize it. You gotta make sure they got plenty of sun. You gotta put a fence around them to keep the deer out because you only wanna feed the right people. And it doesn't include the deer. You prop up the branches with string. You prune dead stuff off. There's a lot of work and discipline in your garden, coaxing it to get the most abundant harvest possible. We're not just throwing seed randomly on the ground and hoping for the best, and that's Jesus' parable. Instead, we're researching, we're sweating, we're adjusting, we're laboring to train this garden to produce an abundant harvest. And friends, so it is with God. He's going to draw you in your heart toward the sunshine so that the sun can fully shine on you. He's going to pick out the stubborn rocks. He's going to pick out the weeds of sin in our life. He's going, to, he's going to pick out the stuff of the world that's choking his spirit in us. He's going to prune back the dead branches that entangle us in the affairs of this world. He's going to prop you up and allow the wind of the Holy Spirit to blow in your life. He's going to allow you to struggle. He's going to let you experience natural consequences of choices. He is going to, to work because he's always working to coax an abundance of fruit in your life. He's working to bring forth the abundant harvest of the fruits of the Spirit in your life, out of your life, into the world because he's a good father. He's a good, good father. He's the great gardener because he loves you. And because he loves you, he's going to discipline you toward the harvest of righteousness. So if you feel the poking, if you feel the prodding, if you feel like you've run up against a dead end or a bumper, if you feel it all tied up or constrained, it could possibly be the Lord of the harvest at work in you through his word. Because the Bible says, he who began a good work in you is going to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, I love this word from God in James chapter 1, and we're going to go back to verse 21, and I want you to see this and hear this in the message paraphrase, and this is going to carry us for the rest of the day. I pray that you carry this word with you everywhere you go. Let our gardener, who is God, that's what it says, let our gardener, who is God, landscape you with the word. I love that piece. 
Let the great gardener, God, landscape you with his word. Transform you, pick and poke at you, pick up this tree, move it over here, dig this hole, bring this mulch, and bring all this kind of adjustment into our life to bring a beautification and fruit out of your life. Let him landscape you with the word to make you a salvation garden, to make a salvation garden out of your life. Now, friends, I'm here to say I want to be a salvation garden for Jesus. How about you? Am I talking to some of the right people here today? And if we're going to do that, we got to allow the Word of God to do some landscaping in our life. We got to get in His Word. We got to lean into it. We got to allow the struggle and the hardships of life to bring discipline into us and to rejoice in them from time to time. We're going to sow in the good soil of God. We're going to live with anticipation because the increased harvest of righteousness is coming according to His promises. We will not be satisfied with sin. We will not be satisfied with lukewarm living. We will not have one foot in with Jesus and one foot in the world. We're not going to have just a little bit of Jesus in our life. We desire the fullness of God. Who's with that word today, friends? We desire the whole fullness of God, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, his incredible increase, all of God to overtake all of our life because we're ready to be God's salvation garden. Now, if you want to know something about a garden, we grow fruit in our garden to be given away, don't we? We grow fruit in our garden to not just feed ourselves, but to feed our families. And I know how you guys roll here at Rolling Plains, because I know when it's harvest season in your gardens, because all your extra fruit shows up at the information desk out in our church lobby. You want to know why? Because you want to give it away. You want to bless somebody. You want to say, because I'm a salvation garden, that means I've received what I now want to give away. Because you've coaxed the best fruit out of your garden, you want people to eat off your garden. You want to fill bellies with what you've done in your garden and in, your, in, in the crops of your field, and you become this salvation garden that overtakes your life, that fills you to overflow of his righteousness so that you can be poured out in generosity and share it with other people. Oh, the Bible said, if you remembered, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And so, friends, because we're a salvation garden in the face of the great gardener who's landscaping our soul, we're going to pour our life out into the harvest field. And you're about to say, well, Pastor John, when are you going to start preaching? We're going to get to Matthew 13 right now, verses 36 to 37. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest. In other translations, it says, beseech the Lord of the harvest. When you beseech someone, you're begging, you're crying out, you're on hands and knees, you're playing, praying blood, sweat, and tears, you're holding on to the horns of the altar, and you're not going to let go until you get an answer. And he's saying, beseech the Lord of the harvest. Ask the Lord of the harvest. Beg him, therefore, to send you out, to send out workers into his harvest field. Friends, the truly abundant harvest the increase of the harvest of righteousness comes for us when we multiply our life into another person's life, when we share the fruit of our salvation garden with another. You see, God sees his broken people. He sees them desperate and helpless and empty. And because of that, with compassion, he's moved to do something about it because he has this great love for all of us. His heart is there for all of us. And he sees that every single one of us, all of our souls, we are ripe for harvest into his kingdom and eternal life, friends. And so he's looking into the church. He's looking at Christ followers. He's looking at people of the word. 
He's looking at those that are reaping a harvest of his increase. He's looking at those who are experiencing the fruit of his blessings to overflow. He's looking at all these salvation gardens that he's landscaping, and he's asking a question. He's saying, are there any among you that are ready to go into the world, to go into the harvest field, and let your life and your salvation garden and your harvest in an abundance of fruit overflow into the lives of other people for the sake of the kingdom of God? He's wanting to know if there's any of us among us that would want to do that. His kingdom purposes, that the fruit of our life is so huge, that our blessings are so great, that his goodness is so amazing, that our thankfulness is about to burst. And I and, and listen, friends, I hope that when you approach the Thanksgiving table on Thursday, that your thankfulness is about to burst. Now, don't eat so much that you're about to burst in different ways, okay? But, but your thankfulness is about to burst in those moments when you approach the Thanksgiving table that we are so thankful, that we are so blessed, that we can't help but tell about our Jesus. We can't help but to go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born and to share the fruit of our garden with everybody else, to invite other people to come to the same church that God is blessing us in, to share the harvest of the righteousness and the blessings that God has given us. God is asking, where are my workers? Where are my flag bearers? Where are my champions? Where are my harvest workers who are unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? And where are my salvation gardeners to go and feed hungry souls? Is it you? God wants to know. Is it you? Is it me? Are we ready? God is giving you a harvest of righteousness and increase and abundance so you can pour yourself out into other people. Your life is a harvest of God's fruitfulness when you put yourself in his hands. And it's meant to be a blessing that can't be contained to yourself and your own family, but to be shared with the world, to be poured out, to overflow and multiply into other people's lives. Oh, friends, if I check the scriptures that God gave us today, he says basically we are blessed to be a blessing. And the fruit of the harvest of our life that is not given away it will rot and expire, just like the extras the Israelites were trying to gather when God said, you only need 24 hours worth of manna. I got tomorrow. You worry about today. And what happens is, is that when we don't give away the fruit, when we don't give away the harvest that, 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 that's been given to us, it will rot and expire. It's why we bring our vegetables into church. It's why we give them away to other people, because if we don't, they'll just go to waste. And friends, God doesn't want any gift that he's given to you and to me to go to waste just serving ourselves. And if we don't give it away, the weeds of selfishness, the weeds of greed will quickly overtake the righteousness of God in our life. So let's give away the harvest. Let's share the fruit of the Spirit by sharing our faith. Let's bring the joy of the Lord into our office spaces. Let's show patience with other people. Let's offer acts of kindness in Jesus' name. Let's offer to pray with people. And when people say, yes, you can pray for me, you can say, let's do it right here and now. And they'll say, you mean in aisle 12 in Kroger? And you say, absolutely. Grab a, grab a box of Rice Krispies and we'll hold hands and we'll pray to God. And we'll see what God's gonna do in that moment. And this is what we're gonna do, is we're gonna live out these fruits of righteousness. And we're gonna pray with people. We're gonna show restraint. We're gonna display peace. We're gonna give away love. And when a friend asks you why you're living this way, why, why you have this garden of salvation, you're gonna give Jesus credit. You're gonna say, it's because I'm saved. And Jesus entered into my life and he's created a salvation garden here. Would you like some? because you too can have some of that and you can become a salvation garden in and of yourself, praise be to God. You see, when you share it with other people, the harvest of blessing is multiplied in your life. And friends, we are checking the math today. We're being made right 
plus right living that's going to equal an abundant harvest of righteousness. We're going to plant our life in God's word. We're going to sow deeply into the Bible, and we're going to do what the Bible says. We're going to receive his discipline. We're going to allow God to landscape our hearts with the very word of God and to allow him to do some gardening in our life as he works to coax the most abundant harvest he can coax out of our life in the form of the fruits of the Spirit and to allow the overflow of our life, of our salvation garden, to pour out into other people's lives. Friends, today we're raising our hand and we're saying, here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Use me. I'm your worker. Send me into your harvest field to share your love, to share your joy, to share your peace, to share your goodness with other people. I'm all in, God. I'm committed. I want to be a part of the harvest of souls for your kingdom. My harvest of righteousness is meant to be given away, God, and it's all yours. You can have it. Lord God, I thank you for my salvation garden that you've given me. I thank you that you are the great gardener, and I thank you that you're constantly landscaping my soul And God, I want to see it happen in everybody else around me. I want to see it happen in my family's lives, my neighborhood's lives, the people at work's lives, the the community, the nation, the world. Lord, God, I want to be a part of the abundant harvest, friends. So here's some action steps and we're done. Number one, how is God working to landscape you with his word? How is God working to landscape you with his word? In what area of your life? What kind of weed is he trying to pull? What kind of rock is he trying to pluck out? In what way is he trying to expose you to more of the full sunshine of his son, Jesus Christ? And in what way is he propping you up to allow a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit to blow in your life? In what way is God landscaping you with his word? And friends, when you find out the answer to that, you do what the Bible says, which is number two. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Because the Bible tells you so, we are going to do. We are going to do what it says. And then when you do that, just get ready because the windows of heaven will blow open and you'll experience a harvest of righteousness unlike any other. Thirdly, ask God to pour your life out into other people. When that harvest of righteousness comes, when the fruit starts to dangle off of your life, it's not just meant for you. It's not even just meant for your immediate family. It's meant for everyone you come in contact with, the community and the world around you. That's why we're going to ring the bell for the Salvation Army in two weeks. That's why we're going to build a manger, and we're going to collect a bunch of goodies to put in it, and we're going to give the whole thing away on January 1st to a family in need or an organization. That's why you're going to go out there, and we're going to adopt all 35 of those children that we said we can take as a church through Maysville Helping Hands, and you're going to bring in macro and cheese and give that away. That's why you're going to get involved in Advent Conspiracy, and we're going to spend less on us, and we're going to give to those who truly in need, because if you're trying to find Uncle Ted a gift, he's already got 35 ties. He doesn't need another one. There's a child overseas somewhere that just simply needs a meal, and God is going to take the abundant harvest of our Salvation Garden, and he's going to want to give it away, friends. He's going to want to give it away. Let's pray. Lord God, we just thank you for your word. We are so blessed. Lord God, thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that he died on the cross for our sins. And Lord God, I I just believe in my heart there's somebody here today, uh, live or in person, and somebody listening online today, and and maybe just doesn't know you as Lord and Savior. And so, Lord God, here and now we pray, and we're all reminded of this prayer. We all own this, that Lord God, we need you. Lord God, we've tried to do things on our own in this life, and we're messing up. 
Lord God, we've tried to find purpose in purchases, purpose in relationships, purpose in hard work in our jobs, and Lord, those things just let us down nine times out of 10. And so, Lord God, in this moment, we cry out to you and we say, we, we believe that your son, Jesus Christ, died on the cross for our sins. We invite you uh, as our Lord and Savior to enter into our hearts, to guide and lead our life for the rest of our life. And Lord God, here and now, we wanna be doers of your word, not just hearers, but doers. And so, Lord God, would you set us up for a lifetime of growing in your righteousness, a lifetime of taking on your character, that here and now, Lord God, we might have sinned last night, but we're not going to sin tonight because of that, because you've resurrected us from the dead, Lord God, because your son Jesus has been resurrected from the dead. You've given us power over canceled sin. And just because we sinned yesterday doesn't mean we have to today, but God, we take your grace and we receive it. Lord, transform us from the inside out. Help us to do the things that we know we should do and help us to step away from the things that we don't want to do that we still struggle to do. And Lord God, remind us of your grace all along the way. There's no shame, Lord God, in this sanctuary. There's no shame in your word. There's no shame for our hearts. Only the devil speaks shame. Lord God, we claim your life-transforming word of holy conviction in our life to change. Each and every one of us here today, Lord God, we want more of you in our life, more love, more power. We want to be your salvation garden. And so, Lord God, we own your word that says to continue to work out your salvation until the day of Christ Jesus, the Lord. And we want to continue to do that, Lord God. We want to grow in your word. We want to take on more of your holiness and more of your character every day of our life. And Lord God, when that harvest of righteousness comes, we can't wait to share the low-hanging fruit from our life and give you all the credit. Lord God, what would happen if our entire church decided that we're all going to be a salvation garden? And we're all gonna plant our fruit in the same patch of land here at Rolling Plains Church. Lord God, could you use this entire body of Christ to change our community, our neighborhoods, our nation, and even the world with your great love? Lord God, we're believing that for Rolling Plains Church. And Lord God, would you allow it to start in each and every one of our hearts that we allow the great gardener, you, to landscape our souls with your word and that you might create a salvation garden for others to eat off of. It's your name we pray and give great thanks. And everybody said together, amen and amen. Oh, friends, why don't you stand right now? Stand and stretch your legs. And